Many years ago, I don't even know, maybe 25 years ago or so, uh, through some reading I was doing, I became interested in, the, in fasting. You know, you've heard, of, you've heard of fasting. Some of you may fast, some of you may not fast. But I became interested in fasting for a time, and I got this idea in my head because I'd never done it before and because I'd never read much about it and because I didn't grow up with it. It wasn't, in the, it wasn't practiced in the circles that I grew up in. I began to think, this is what's been missing from my spiritual life. Fasting. I've never, I've never thought of it before. So I, I, beca- I began to think, this is the key. This is the secret. If I start to fast and add that to everything else I'm doing, I will grow spiritually really quickly, and I'll, spiritually, I'll be spiritually fuller than I am now, and I'll begin to spiritually excel, and wonderful things will begin to happen if I fast. And I started to make fasting um, the secret, you know, the, the, the thing that will advance me. Um, the thing that, uh, the thing that, and my focus began to be on fasting, just, you know, bypassing food for a period of time is that itself is going to benefit me and sanctify me. And it did not, it did not, didn't help me one whit. Now I'm not against fasting and I don't think it's wrong. And if you fast, that's quite all right. I'm not against it. I'm just saying it wasn't the secret. (laughs) It wasn't the answer. It wasn't uh, whatever, whatever rules I began to put on myself about how much, I began to put rules on myself about how much I needed to fast, and I needed to fast at least this much and this long and this extreme and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and, and that's not, that wasn't the answer. That wasn't the secret. I've been told, and I want to give you a few other examples. That was a personal example. Let me give you examples from other people who've talked to me about um, some secrets that they have or some things that they want to tell me. I've been told that this worship service that we do at Eastridge Press is not valid. And the reason it's not valid is because, the, because uh, the, uh, our, we, we don't have priests that have been ordained by, by their bishops, by the bishop. The person who was talking to me said, our bishops are, valid, are the only valid bishops, and we have an, we, you, don't have, you don't even have priests, but you definitely don't have anybody ordained by our bishops. And so your worship service isn't valid. It's just not valid. I've been told that our worship service isn't valid because no one's speaking in tongues. And by the way, I'm using it in the way that this person would use it, not in the way, what, this is not the biblical teaching on it. This is what this person said to me. I've been told, your, 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 your worship service isn't valid because no one speaks in tongues. I don't see any signs of wondrous, uh, wondrous things happening. There's no miracles. There's no prophecy. There's no words of wisdom or words of knowledge, whatever, what, what they meant by that, words of wisdom and words of knowledge. Um, so the worship service is, is dead. It's, it's a dead worship service. It's not, it's not really pleasing to God. I've been, you know, and, and, and this kind of thing you, you, you get a lot. Groups begin to follow certain models of ways of doing things, ways, practices, regulations. We do it this way, and this is the right way to do it, and other people are deficient because they don't do it this way. Your worship service, for example, must follow this particular model. It must be, and I, you even get this from Reformed people. Uh, one time, walking out of this church, a, ma- a man who was visiting, who was a Reformed man, handed me a book and said, I think it would benefit you and this church if you would read this book. And I thumbed through it, and it was basically telling me how to do a worship service according to a very uh, clear model that this particular teacher said was the way to do it, and there was no other way. And I, he, was, he was encouraging me to get this church in line with <clears throat> this particular teacher's teaching. It's still sitting on my bookshelf, and I haven't looked at it since that day. 
you must celebrate communion weekly. Now, we do celebrate communion weekly, but that's not because we're saying to anyone or, or making any kind of bold pronouncement that you must. We're not saying any church that doesn't celebrate communion weekly is deficient in any way. That's not what we're saying. That's not what we, that's not, our, that's not, we, we're celebrating it because we don't see any reason not to. And, you know, it's something that we, our, our elders have decided that we've gonna, we're going to do that. And it's important and we're going to do that. But I've been told that you must celebrate communion weekly or your church is, there's something wrong with, with your church. Um, you know, there are people who believe that a worship service cannot have musical instruments. It absolutely cannot, there cannot be musical instruments in a worship service. It has to be a cappella. And a cappella is fantastic and great, and there's nothing wrong with worship that's a cappella. It's just that this, the key, the, 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 the way to do it, the right way to do it is not get rid of the worship. The, the, if you get rid of those instruments, then you'll begin to advance spiritually. Your church will begin to grow and begin to advance because that's what's holding you up because that's what you're doing wrong. Um, I've been told, here's another one, this is more reform circles again, been told in reform circles that your church needs a lot of help. The men in your church need a lot of help. Um, there's, there's two, uh, the men in your church aren't manly enough. Yes, I've really been told this. The, church, the men in your church are not really masculine, and this person had a model of what masculinity looks like and super macho Christianity would look like, and this is what God wants. When God said the things that he said about men in the Bible, he wants men to be really masculine. If you're clean-shaven, that's effeminate. You must have a beard. Got to have a beard. And by the way, on the side note, I don't care if you have a beard or don't, okay? This is what this guy's saying. Um, and he was saying, you're, and, and, the, and the men in the church must control their wives. They must control their wives. They must tell their wives how to vote. They must uh, approve the books that their wives read. They must help. They must uh, tell their wife how they want the, the, the home to be run, and then the wife must follow accordingly and do it that way. Um, and the men in this church are just not masculine enough. This is not really a, this is not really a biblical church. I, th- I bet many of you went to uh, uh, Christian schools years ago or, Christian, or, or went to churches years ago that, that taught that Christians shouldn't dance. Anybody? Anybody go to a school like that or a college like that or a church like that that dancing was? And then, then there's some Christians in some parts of the world that dancing is part of the worship service. And there seems to be a little bit of dancing in the Bible as well. Um, so you, you get people prescribing what you can't do on Sunday and telling you very, very precisely, this is what you cannot do on Sunday. And this is what you can do on Sunday. And they've got rules and they've got regulations. And if you do this, if you stop doing these things on Sunday, I won't even list what they are. Um, and if you start doing these things on Sunday, then things will fall into place and you will begin to spiritually excel and you'll begin to spiritually grow. And there are religious teachers everywhere and, they all, and a lot of them have little programs like this, don't they? They have little, they have little, little things they want to bring to you, little programs, they're, they're, their way of doing things. And they're on the TV, some, some of them, some, sometimes you catch them on the radio, they have their podcasts, they have their YouTube videos, they have their books, they have their articles, and the chances are that, that we from time to time, or maybe very regularly, we hear them, and we, and, and, and we, and, or we read them, or we, we encounter what their teaching is. Um, and they use the name Jesus all the time, 
but they are adding stuff to Jesus. They're adding stuff to Jesus. They're adding teaching to Jesus. They're requiring certain religious and worship duties that Jesus did not teach about or talk about or, or press on people, at least not in the way that they're pressing. But they're, t- but they're sort of presenting it in a sectarian sort of way of, we have the answer here. Come along. This bestseller has the answer to this. This podcast has the answer to this. Come along. Get in line with these things. Start doing these things and not doing these things. And, th- and you will begin to spiritually excel and spiritually grow. And things will really start happening for you. And it will be amazing. Um, and this is, this is the way it works. Um, and uh, their, their, te- their teaching does not come from Jesus. Their teaching comes from men. It comes from women. It comes from people. They're te- and their teaching, and by the way, this teaching is very, very attractive to people. If you start telling people, do all this and stop doing this, you just lay it out for them. You just lay it out. This is exactly what you do, and this is exactly what people eat that stuff up. They love it. If I've ever preached a sermon that was even a little bit like that, I've had that, that, that's the only Sundays that I get a lot of. That was a fantastic sermon. If I preach the gospel, I don't usually get that. But if I get, but if I get that message, if I, if I really lay something out a little bit, and when that happens, I start to get nervous. If three people said, that was fantastic because you really told us what to do, I start thinking, ooh, what did I do? I go back and look at my sermon and say, oh, gosh, yes, I went too far here. You know, I, I made it sound like this was the secret. I made it sound like this was the thing that you do, and then everything falls into place or something. People love it. People love this kind of thing. It teaches you how to be spiritually full. People love religion because it tells them what to do. Uh, one, one, and I'm going to use the, t- today, I'm going to use the, this, a word for this, and that's the word religion. So we're opposing Jesus to religion. Sometimes we can talk about the Christian religion and all that, but this morning I'm just using the words in this way. What I've been talking about so far is religion, and what the Bible teaches is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, so opposing religion, that's what Paul's doing in Colossians chapter 2. He's worried about new teachers they have that are teaching religion and taking them back to religion and away from from Jesus Christ. Um, People uh, love religion because it tells them what to do. It's very clear. So, you know, it's sort of like a spiritual diet. You know, when you get a diet, the diet says, eat, 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 eat this, eat this, eat this, eat this, eat this. Do not eat this, do not eat this. And it's all laid out so clear. You know exactly what not to eat. But it's in the area of religion. You know, like laid out so clear. If you do this, you're going to lose a lot of spiritual fat and, and get a lot of spiritual muscle and blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of stuff. That's the, that's the way it goes. People get really excited about this. Um, so uh, people are attracted to it. And that's what was happening in Colossae. These teachers came in. They were teaching this way. People were getting excited. People were getting into it. They were loving it. They were really digging this stuff. And they were following it. And Paul loves the Colossians, but he sees some of them, not all of them, but some of them going this direction. And he wants to bring them a warning about this, that this is not, this is not the answer. This is not going to help you. Um, they, they like they like. We, people like this because it's more than just that simple gospel that the apostles taught. They want something more sophisticated, something with a lot more details and a lot more prescriptions and a lot more regulations and a lot more details uh, of what to do. This is an old problem. Paul was facing it in Colossae. So before we get to our key verses, let me show you where this is. Look at verse 8. Verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. 
And by the way, just make sure you know this, Paul's not talking using philosophy the way we use the word. He's not talking about philosophy. When we say philosophy, we're talking about philosophers and certain kinds of, uh, of, uh, of uh, a history of philosophy and all. That's not what he's talking about. He's not even talking about Greek philosophers who were there at the time. They used that word philosophy to mean all, to be refer to all sorts of things, and one of the things they used it to refer to is uh, religion. Certain teachers and their religious teachings and what, how, what they told you to do and not to do. So that's how he's using philosophy here. Um, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Now that phrase there, elemental spirits of the world, is a highly debated phrase, and we could, I could spend... Uh, uh, two hours, you know, talking about all the different opinions on what elemental spirits of the world, so I'm not going to do any of that. Um, we're just going to pretty much just uh, leave it aside. But, the, gen- but the, general, the general idea of elemental spirits of the world is religion. It's you're going, instead of staying with Jesus and his gospel, you're going back to religion the way it used to be. You're going back to religion before Christ. You're going back to your paganism, practically. Even though you're, it's still, it, you're still talking about Jesus and the Christ and all that, you're, you're, you're going back to religion the way it once was. You're going back to, to the old religion. Um, so he says, um, so, and he says, don't let it take you captive. Don't let this religious stuff take you captive. And, and the idea there is kidnapping. Religion, this kind of religion, often comes on Christians and kidnaps them and steals them away from the Lord, Jesus. It, it takes control of their life, and they've got, now they've got all this, this, these regulations and this way of doing things, and that's what they're focused on, and that's what they care about, and it steals them away from Jesus Christ. It's, it kidnaps them from Christ and his gospel and what he is teaching and what he has given them. Religion adds the details of worship, the details of ceremonies, practices, regulations, and it's a return to religion before Christ. And he says it's according to human tradition. It doesn't really have its origin in God and in Christ. It's according to the elemental spirits of the world. It's the old pagan religion again, and it's not according to Christ. Now look at verse 16. There's a few places where he, where he mentions this problem. Verse 16, he says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. These teachers are coming in and they're saying, You got you guys in here, this, you, you Christians in here, um, you're wrong about these things. And we want to teach you. We want to give you more advanced teaching. Yeah, we see that you le- you've learned about Jesus. You've got some simple stuff there. But man, let us, let us lay on you the, the good stuff. Let us lay on you the deep stuff. Let us lay on the, the more complex stuff, the more powerful stuff, all sorts of new stuff that we got for you. And what does Paul say here? He says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, okay? And by the way, a festival is something that would happen in a, year, a, a yearly thing. A new moon is something that would happen in a month, a monthly thing, and a Sabbath is a weekly thing. Um, so holy days is the idea. And then also the idea of food and drink, the idea of fasting or restricted diets at certain times. So first of all, he's saying that this religion is coming in and it's condemning you, making you feel bad and making you think, oh, and making feel about, about the way you're practicing and saying, I need something more. I need this new stuff. This new stuff is great. You know, Paul encountered this all the time. He'd go in, give them the pure gospel. He'd move on, and someone would come. We saw this in Galatia, in, Galatias, in the, the churches in Galatia as well. Someone would come in behind and, and bring in new teachings, teachings that, that kept Christ but added to Christ, um, added to Christ. You know, and if you've got a big bowl of Brunswick stew 
and you're just about to sit down to it, and someone says, well, let me, let me put something in there, in, in, there in, in for you so you're really going to enjoy this, and they break out their motor oil and pour some motor oil in your Brunswick stew, that's not edible anymore, and it's the same thing. You got Jesus Christ, you got the gospel of Christ, but now you add to it religion? You just added motor oil to it. You killed it. It's, this is not the gospel anymore. This is no longer Jesus Christ. This is stuff that ruins it. This is stuff that destroys it. It takes you away from Christ, uh, steals Christ away. It, it, take, it, it kidnaps you. It kidnaps you and takes you away from Christ. Um, so uh, he's, he, there's their sectarian. They're saying, we have it right. We have special rules. Others don't keep. Let's teach, teach these rules. Now, here, we don't, it doesn't really matter to us what was going on there because we're not, suffer, we're not being battled by the Colossian heresy, but the, whatever the, these teachers were, were teaching. But, um, but the, just to so you have a sense of it, basically it sounds like what's going on is not necessarily, some people think they were putting the Jewish calendar back in place and that could have been the case, but that's not necessarily what, these, what, this, what this says here. What it sounds like they're saying is they're bringing in a religious calendar, and they're saying, these are the days now that you must fast, you must restrict your food and drink, or you must eat a certain kind of food and drink on these days. So we're, we're, we're putting over you a religious calendar. These are the holy days of fast, when you must, you must eat a certain way, and these are the holy days of feast when you must celebrate religion in certain ways. And they had yearly ones, new festivals they were putting forward. They had Sabbaths, weekly ones, and they had um, uh, new moons. They had monthly ones as well. So they're telling the people, it's, it, and, and this is just standard religion stuff, right? Holy days, feast days. They, the Jews had it in the Old Testament, but it, in the New Testament, it didn't continue. This didn't go on. All that was set aside as ceremonial and as a shadow. It, he's even going to say that later. This was all shadows. None of this is the real stuff. It, 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 comes, it comes to you. Uh, the real thing is Christ, he's going to say in a minute. Um, but anyway, so this is what they were doing. This is the, they, they had diet restrictions and fast days on certain days, and they had holy days, which were special days of obligation. When you had to do certain things on those holy days, you had to do these things. And if you were doing these things, you would grow spiritually. Um, and you would, um, and by the way, just as a side note, Christmas is not a holy day. Um, uh, Easter is not a holy day. We don't believe that those, th- those days are holy days. They're, the Bible never tells us anywhere that Christmas and Easter are days that we're supposed to consider holy and set apart, and we have obligations on Christmas and Easter that we don't have any other. No, they're just convenient days that we use traditionally to remember the birth of Jesus and to remember the resurrection of Jesus. They're not holy days. They're not festivals or feasts or, or anything. That's, that's not what they are. And so this is... But this is the kind of thing that was, that was happening here. Um, this is the kind of thing. L- l- let me read a few other verses. Verse 18. He says, let no one disqualify you. Let no one disqualify you. Now, the people are going to come in and they're going to say, you're not legitimate because you're not doing these things. He says, don't let anybody disqualify you. Stick to Jesus. Don't get, don't get pulled away and join up with this. He says, people insisting on asceticism. That word asceticism means um, being sort of hard on your body and restricting things from yourself. Uh, Fasting is the classic example of asceticism. Giving up things and hurting yourself in order to grow spiritually. If you you, uh, hurt or or diminish yourself in some way, then you will grow spiritually and you do it to yourself. Um, Classic examples of it are fasting, of course, you know, people sleeping on boards, you know, um, sleep, or sleeping on the floor instead of in a bed. People wearing hair shirts, you know, wearing things under, 
uh, you can't see it, but under their clothes, they wear something to torture themselves, something that makes them, their, their skin rash up. Um, and it's, it, that's asceticism. It's like hurting yourself in order to grow spiritually. Uh, it seems like this was the practices that were, being, that were being put there at that time. He says, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels. And that phrase, worship of angels, could mean one of two things. It could mean that they actually had brought in and said, hey, we, have a, we, have, we worship God, but we also have something else we need to do, which is worship angels and taught them how to worship angels. But it also, the phrase could also mean uh, worship that was taught them by angels. So they're giving them the real deal, the, the, the actual way to do worship, and it was taught, they're claiming it was taught to them by angels. Angels taught us this way. And when we do it this way, we're worshiping with the angels in heaven. If we follow the angels model, et cetera, et cetera, that's probably the kind of thing that was going on here. Um, he says, they go into great detail about visions. And what that means is, is these people would claim, what, what authority do you have to do, tell us this? Well, I've had experiences. I've had visions. I've had spiritual, powerful visions. And these visions, maybe visions of angels, I've had visions, and these visions have taught me what I'm passing on to you. This truth that I'm passing on to you is what, I was, is what, is what um, these, these new things and regulations have come to me through visions. And he's, but then, what is, Paul's, what is Paul's word on this? He says, they're puffed up without reason. They're arrogant. They're proud of themselves without reason because this is all stupidity. This is nothing to be proud, of, proud about. This is not something. They, they're proud. They think they're fantastic. They think they're the elite of, of the Christian world. But it's just, but it's not. It's, it, it, their, their pride is, is completely unwarranted. And he, says, and he says they have a mind, a sensuous mind or a mind of flesh, which means they have a mind of sin. They have a mind dominated by sin. Even though they claim to be so spiritual, they're actually being led by sin. So this religion... Um, uh, this, is, this is what was being taught in Colossae. Let me close out what was being taught in Colossae since it's, uh, this is just to give you the historical example um, by reading the, the last few verses there. Verse 20. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, the old religion, why, as if you were still alive in the world, as if you were still part of the world, do you submit to regulations? He says, why are you going back to the regulations of, the, of religion? Why are you going back to those? He says, here, and then he gives these real generic regulations. He says, why are you listening to things like, do not handle that, do not taste that, do not touch that? Why are you buying into all of these, these restrictions, these religious rules and these things um, that, uh, about worship and ceremonies that... Um, that uh, you don't have to. And, he says, you're, and you're referring to things that all perish as they're used. In other words, material things, temporal things, creation things. And, and these, they, so this, these people were forbidding all sorts of things. And the last verse where he describes what they were teaching is, he's, verse 23, he says, yes, these things have an appearance of wisdom. When you first hear them, they're like, yes, this sounds good. And you know, some of the things like, it's not that it's, some of the things that, that will be put forward will be good things in and of themselves. It's the way they're being put forward, that they're being put forward as obligation, as, as absolutely required. And, and, and when the focus becomes on those things instead of something else, which we'll talk about in a minute, that, um, that things go wrong. These things have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion, self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. They're hard on the body, but they are of 
no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. They're, they're, they're of no value in changing you and making you, um, and making you uh, sanctified and growing away from sin and all of that. So, that's the negative. We're going to turn now to our key verses. You know, we haven't not read the key verses yet. This is what the positive is of all this. All that is clearing the deck. All that is sweep all this stuff away. Don't be captive by all this, this, this kind of religion. Don't be kidnapped uh, from Jesus Christ by all this teaching. And, and I'm saying this to you, and I'm teaching it this morning um, before I move on to the positive, because be careful when you're listening to all these teachers. Be careful when you're listening to me. What you hear from me, what you hear from your elders, examine with the word to, under, to understand if this is the truth, if, if they've maybe gone too far. And bring it up to, if you think that someone's gone too far in something, bring it up to them and talk to them through and talk it through till you better understand what the, together what the word says. But when you're listening to somebody on the radio, somebody on TV, some, a podcast or this, that, watching a YouTube video, because they say Jesus a lot and read from the Bible does not mean they're not giving you religion. <laughs> doesn't mean they're not giving you paganism. It doesn't mean they're not giving you all sorts of stuff. That it, and it can go many different directions. You can get the real right version of it, the real extreme conservative version of it, and you can get the real, conser- you know, the real left, more left-leaning version of it, and you can get all sorts of versions of it. Um, but just because they say the Bible is the Word of God and Jesus is the Son of God does not mean... <laughs> that they're not trying to pile on you regulations and rules and things that are not from God, but are man-made, man-made regulations about how to grow spiritually. I mean, we've got to be real careful about that. Um, so here's the verse, or the verses, verse 9 and 10. Look at those. For in Christ, the whole fullness of deity, that means God, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. What is the point of all this? The point of it is it's in Jesus Christ it's in Christ alone that you get everything that you need. Um, it, all of God is found. You realize that that man, the God man, the, the man Jesus, the Son of God, but also a human being, the human being Jesus, in that man, in that, in that one, that Savior, that Messiah, all of God is there. All of God is available to you. All of God is coming to you in that one. And a human face and a human body all of God is, is coming to you. Nothing is held back. God is, he is the divine one. He is equal in power and glory to the Father. And the, and the Trinity means that the three of them are one and united so closely that if you have Jesus, you have the Father and you have the Spirit as well. All of God is in this one. Go to Jesus, go to Jesus, go to Jesus. Don't let religion distract you from Jesus. Don't let the details and, the, and, all, and this, little, this little route you can go on here or this one over here or, or a lot of study in this area or in the, the case of the Colossians and most of what I've talked about this morning, all sorts of regulations and rules about worship and prayer and, and things that you, and fasting and all of this. Don't let that, don't focus on that stuff as if that stuff is doing anything. That stuff is doing nothing. All that stuff is pointing you to Jesus Christ. 
It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all pointing you to Christ. Pointing you to Christ. If I, if I stand up here and read the Word of God, the words don't do anything. The words are pointing you to Jesus Christ, and salvation is in Him. Not in the words. Not in the sounds of the words. The words say, look at Jesus. You know when you got a dog and you say to the dog, look what you did, and you point at something way over there and the dog looks at your finger? That's religion. That's religion. Looking at the stuff, looking at the pieces of it, looking, you can't get past. This bread and wine, this bread and wine is only to point you to Jesus, to show you Jesus. The bread and the wine are not what it's about. The bread and the wine are signs pointing you to Jesus and the salvation that is in Christ. It's the salvation that is in Christ pointing you to Jesus. And he says, and he says uh, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in him, and you have been filled in him. And that's past tense. He's saying this has already happened. If you put your faith in Jesus, you have everything. You have everything. It's all, and it's all the resources that you need to live on Sunday, and then Monday, and then Tuesday, till the day you die. All the resources that you need are pouring into your life from Jesus Christ, because he lived and died for you, because of his merit, because of the riches and wealth of his grace, of his merit, of his righteousness, of his holiness, of his sacrifice. He has done it all for you, and he is this wealth of resource that is available to you to draw on any time. Do you understand that prayer is something that you can pray anytime, anywhere, in the simplest form, and draw on Jesus Christ? Look to Christ. Seek, in, seek from Christ what you need, the spiritual resources that you need, the spiritual resources that you need. And I'm not advocating by this that, that you, uh, you know, some people can take this to some kind of extreme and ignore what the Bible says about how Christians must get together and how Christians must have pastor teachers and how Christians must have uh, sacraments. And the, I understand that. Um, I understand that, so, that some people take this to that extreme, but that's, and that's not what we're advocating, obviously, here. I'll say more about that in a minute, but I just want to make that comment for a second. But I want you to see, but, but all that stuff is about Jesus Christ. All that stuff is pointing you to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ sets you free from all the religions and all the religious stuff. He sets you free from the spiritual powers of evil, the demons. And, the, and, the, and the, this, this chapter, I didn't get into this, but this chapter talks a lot about the principalities and the powers. And that means that the world is filled, the universe is filled everywhere, the spiritual world, I should say, is filled with evil powers and principalities. And Jesus Christ is above them. Jesus Christ has defeated them. Jesus Christ has set you free from them. He sets you free from death. He sets you free from guilt. He sets you free from condemnation. He sets you free from punishment. He sets you free from the power of sin that is in your heart. He can break that power of sin and continue to help you with that. And he gives you grace, unmerited favor. He gives you eternal life, and he gives you the fruit of the Spirit. What you need to obey God and the simple commandments that we're given in the Scriptures, what you need to obey those commandments is the fruit of the Spirit. And, and the fruit of the Spirit doesn't mean, oh, Jesus, I've been talking to you for a while, but i got to go talk to your friend over here, the Holy Spirit, because he's got something for me that you don't have. So let me go over here. Spirit, can I have, can I have a word with you? I need some fruit. Could you, could you pass the fruit? No. The fruit comes from Jesus. <laughs> we, call, we call it the fruit of the Spirit. It comes from Jesus. It's because Jesus made you his own. 
It's because Jesus died for you that you have, and, he's, and he, gives, he gives the fruit to you through the Holy Spirit. But how do you obey? You obey by having love given by the Spirit, joy given by the Spirit, peace given by the Spirit, kindness given by the Spirit, self-control given by the Spirit from Jesus Christ, from his salvific works, from the work that he has done. Verse 17 says, this stuff, all these religious regulations and all this stuff that he's talking about, these are shadows. They're just shadows. They're just shadows. Why are you going back? And one of the commentators just reading on this says, through the history of the church, we have, the, the, the Christians have always had this impulse to go back to the shadows, to get back into the shadows again, and to go back to shadow religion. He said, don't go back, don't go back to the shadows. That's what you had before in paganism and even in, and even in the Jewish faith before Christ came, although obviously much clearer and much more uh, uh, authentic in, in the Jewish faith. But even in paganism, there were shadows of what was to come. But the reality, the substance belongs to Christ. All that stuff is pointing you to Jesus Christ, and it's in Christ. What you need is, is in Christ. Um, so, and, uh, and let, me, let me close with this. The early church, you know, stuck out to people because it wasn't a religion, it, at least in any way that people could identify. It wasn't a religion in any way. People, everybody was familiar with religion. Even the Jews were familiar with religion, but no one, it, it stuck out because it, it, didn't, it didn't look like a religion. It didn't, have, it didn't have temples. It didn't have priests. It didn't have sacrifices. It didn't have holy days. It didn't have elaborate rituals. It didn't have prescribed fasts. It didn't have elaborate systems with, of hundreds of laws. It didn't have all these all these ornate and detailed ceremonial practices. It didn't have a prescribed liturgy. Do you understand that the early church didn't have, the Bible nowhere gives any kind of prescribed liturgy. It no longer, and it no, it nowhere says, this is how you do the worship service. Do this, 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 and this, despite that book that's still on my shelf, Gathering Dust. It, there's nowhere that it says that, actually. This is, how you, this is how you do a worship service. Nowhere does it do that. There's not, all, all that stuff is not prescribed. All that stuff is not set out and regulated. Instead, it is, you, you, are given the, you are given the gospel. You are given the laws of Christ. Um, you know, simple laws, moral teaching about how to live. You are given the simple elements. Of, what you're given are simple elements of worship. You're given pray, sing, sing praises, pray, read the Bible, the two sacraments, and have somebody try to explain and teach what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. This is, this is. These are the elements of worship, but they can be done in many different ways, and there's not one set way to do it and all that. It's not about um, certain systems and all of that. It's about all of these things, as I said, are pointing you to Jesus Christ. Some, you know, some of you may be sitting and saying, well, this looks pretty religious, what we're doing here today. Yes, Yes, I mean, there are elements here that are like, this is religious because we do it the same way every week or something. It, it looks like that. But the point of it all is, and, and well, I should, put, I should say this, and because of that, there's a danger that even this, for some of you, is just religion. That some of you are here for this service, and you're not here for what the service is about. The service is about Jesus. The sermon's about Jesus. The Bible readings are about Jesus. This is about Jesus. The songs are about Jesus. It's all supposed to be with your brothers and sisters, and we're all saying to each other, look at him. Look at him. It's in him. The answer's in him. Salvation's in him. All that you need is in him. All the, and so we're, this service is just to get you to focus on Christ. This is not the time when the magic happens. 
<laughs> it's like if you, for that hour, the magic happens and we get, we get pumped up by Christ. No, it's, it's a reminder. It's reminding you, reminding you of all the rest of your life to be living by Jesus, be living by faith in Jesus and seeking from Jesus and receiving from Jesus all that he has for you. He is filling you. He has filled you and he has all the resources because all of God is available to you uh, in Jesus Christ. Lift up your head. Look at Jesus. Lift up your heart and look at Christ.